goal chance for Conor McGrath here and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackie chance. still going. Boya, boya. Goal is up for Caps. Oh, what a goal! <laughs> I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> Been a look, Donovan Connor, a wild effort on goal. It's over! It's over! It's over! One thirteen to 15 and down are driving forward here. Monaghan bodies are all forward. It's five against three. And it's in here's a goal chance. Here's Donald O'Hare. He takes the point. He does take the point. And down are on the way to the Ulster final. This is Off the Balls Friday GA podcast, and that is commentary from Northern Sound FM of Down's breakthrough win against Monaghan. They play Tyrone this weekend in the Ulster final. Four time Ulster Championship winner Enda McGinley will talk to us about that match. All GA on News Talk with Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag hurling to the core. Speaking of hurling, we'll have a look back on the season so far and a look ahead to the quarterfinals coming up next weekend in Porky Cueve. We'll also talk about all the qualifiers this weekend as well as the Leinster football final between Dublin and Kildare. Do Kildare have a realistic chance? It's Oshin and Tommy with you this week. Tommy, how are you? Oshin, what's the crack? Uh, how can people send their abuse to you? Uh, you can you can always reach me on Twitter, at Tomoso Rooney. An anonymous phone call is always good. I'll give out your awesome, number at the yeah, end. You can get me on at Oshin Langan. Um, let's start by doing the news of the week. I, I, I think one of the, the standout things this week is the fact that we're talking about a non-news story. Which uh, one is this now? A, a news story we've, we've a couple, that was we? a news story and it's not a news story but kind of became a talking point maybe because it's silly season and it's, and it's the summer because Michael Dignan went on a, a rant which was pretty pointless on the Sunday game about Sky Sports having the rights. Basically what? he said, look, it's just, you know, his dad is uh, an old guy, couldn't go down the pub, doesn't go down the pub, so why should he miss out on games like Waterford and Kilkenny because the GA signed a deal with Sky? Look, I appreciate where he's coming from but I also think people have to appreciate that this is a, a dead argument. The deal is done. Like we're only the first year in a new arrangement. It's it's such a non-story. Yet here I am talking about it. Oh, Oshin, I, I don't I don't want to talk about this because it is a non-story. And it was look, it, um, it was fairly clear um, that while it may have been pointless, it was quite pointed at the weekend. Like there was there was an agenda there to get a message across. Um, and like look, you can kind of get what Michael's saying, but. There's nothing much we can do about that at the minute. Like, there's so many issues in the GA. Now, whether you agree or you disagree with whether they went to Sky, it was worth trying for a while. Whether that ends in a couple of years... It was worth trying up to next season. If he'd yeah. done this rant last season, and I'm not sure if he when did... Make but a change. Sh- yeah, exactly. Well, he may, sh- have. Yeah. We may have. We may have. I don't know what Michael said two years ago, but he yeah. said it on Sunday. Um, it was kind of out of the blue a little bit. Like, I know that Waterford-Kenny game was, was fantastic, but you can, you'll still find these games. You know, you can, you can still get coverage of them. If you go down to the pub. Oh, but why should he go down to the pub, Tommy? I know, let's not get into this. Look, the thing is, is I appreciate what he's saying, but ultimately the GEA, like any other sporting organisation, have to make money. Yeah, now, look, I, I honestly don't want to get into this chat yeah. too much because, yeah. of course, they have to make money. Yes. But, like, they're marketed as an amateur organisation. But Where's your professional entity? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, like, but they're competing with professional organisations. Of course they are. Of course they are. And, look, it, it's worth pursuing 
the interest that they have and and looking for more money. Mm-hmm. But like you also do have to serve your audience. Like I don't know if now RT could turn it on themselves too. I don't know if the Sunday game provides us with the greatest reflections on the weekend's GA. I really don't think it does. I I was at Partalton on Saturday night. And you got absolutely no sense of the game that was had that day. You got no sense of how Mead frustrated Donegal, why Mead weren't good enough to beat Donegal. And it's the same with most games. And now I know you can't show hours and hours of footage, but there has to be a better way of doing it. Like, there has to be a better way of, of showing packaging Kilkenny Waterford the next day on a Sunday, or even making it available. Now, I know they haven't got online rights in RT, but even making it available separately on a Monday evening or on the player. Like, why, why, aren't, why, why, why isn't it being provided to us in this way, the GA content? The amount of archive footage that is there, you know, you said you watched back Monaghan down this morning. Um, like, let's go. I had that recorded on my Skybox. Yeah, you, had, like you had it saved, really you know. Yeah. So people will still watch things back if they're given the opportunity to do so. Like, I, I don't think watching. I like to be honest, yeah, I skipped through most of the Sunday game, and I just watched the clips and try and get make my own sense of it, read reports because you can you, you get very little sense of the the pattern of games. I feel. Now, I know that's Are you suggesting maybe they, they bring someone from every game, send someone to every game? Because it's unfair on the two uh, guys or girls who are on the sofa to expect them to analyse something off highlights. And very often, I, I don't think they actually get to see these games. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they do either. Yeah. But like, you should have a reporter there that's like, is it the fact that you know the games are all packaged, they're, they're, they're all videoed, and then somebody just sits into the box and throws a couple of highlight clips together? Like, I just don't think it's good enough. And I don't think, yeah. with, with the access that people have to Twitter now, and it's you know very easy to get, to kind of get you know Snapchat reporters giving you a better sense of the game. Like it's becoming archaic. This kind yeah, of two minute Tom, package. Tommy, the thing is, is, you have to keep in mind that this is your job. This is your life. Even mm. if you weren't a reporter, your life would be football. Uh, just from what I know of you, I know. Does everyone want that? Because when you're on Twitter and you see, oh, this isn't good enough, or I want more of this, you're very much in your own bubble. You're in a bubble. Of course you are. But so, do you think what you're saying reflects what the general public's appetite is? But the general public want to watch. Good GA. Now, are you talking about, say, people who just switch on the Sunday game? They want to get like, they want to know who won, so they go in the next day into work, and they can say, "Oh, look, sure, me one." What I'm saying like, is, is the mass population mightn't care as much as we do. People listening to this podcast, obviously, if like, they've sought out a GA podcast, they probably agree with you. But there is relentless they're broadcasting space. to the mass population. There's an unbelievable amount of space online where you can do this stuff and where it can be marketed and packaged better. Like, fair enough, if they are putting a portion of games on Sky, make a bit of money off it. Provide it elsewhere too later in the week. Like have a midweek highlight show. Like I didn't even realise there was a, a Monday game back in the early 90s. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah, notice. It was great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't notice. But like why isn't there a Monday game now? Like the appetite is there. And if you provide quality, people will watch that. Yes. They will watch it. And the thing and is, now, is it's fair enough you saying yeah. I'm in a bubble and I might be in a... I don't think I'm a minority. I don't think I am in yeah. a minority. I want to watch football. I want to know what Roscommon did to be able to beat Galway last weekend. Like I want to know. You can watch that back on the player, though. But I want to know what they did in the weeks up to that, in the games previous to that. Like I want to know the patterns of style that they were trying out. Do you know what I mean? Like we should, we should be. There should be more available. Like there, there's so much space online. Like you, this stuff can be done. It doesn't have to be done on a box on the TV now. It doesn't have to be to be limited to a nine thirty p.m. slot on a Sunday. Like there's so much space. Like what? Like to be honest, with you, I don't watch TV. I, I watch everything online or you're you know, that generation. Or yeah, like you don't watch I don't. TV I don't have a TV. I have a. PlayStation at home, like, but wow. you can stream stuff off. Like, I don't watch TV. Yeah. I go home on a Friday night, and if I'm if I'm training that night, I might watch yeah. the late late. But like, 
Do you know what I mean? Or I might watch a game that I recorded you, you, beforehand, you but I don't watch it. Incredibly TV. young and incredibly old. Well, that's that's who I, I am. I might watch the late late, but yet you don't. Well, watch Graham TV Norton, by to be honest. But anyways, okay, we're not getting into that. The, the, the TV by appointment thing is actually funny because mm. my niece finds it hilarious that we used to have to wait for friends at eight thirty on a Monday night. You can't just watch it whenever the hell you want. I know. Uh, that's a separate point. I love, by the way, how we started talking about Sky, but you use this as an opportunity to bash the Sunday game. Well, I, d- I don't. I don't mean to bash yeah. the Sunday game. I just think you that think they could evolve the coverage. What they do, they, they actually do quite well, but they need to do more of it. The Sunday game is on at, at half nine on a Sunday. Yeah. Everyone in this country wants to watch the Sunday game, and yes. what, like the Sunday game has the platform to dictate how GEA is shaped during the week, and we've seen it. Perhaps negatively in recent week, recent weeks, well, it's been portrayed as a negative effect that they had. But we know that they have a platform, and we know that they make an they can make an effect on the game. Um, why don't they give us more coverage, better coverage? Like the way we consume sport has changed. I'm not sure if the Sunday game has evolved. Now I know they've got these lovely graphics and they've got their their new things at the start, and that's that's all well and good. But give us more. That's all I'm saying. I think you've actually hit on something there that I also wanted to talk about, and that is. I presume when you said we've seen the effect that they've had on the disciplinary process and the narrative on that in the last couple of weeks, I assume you're referring to Dermot Connolly and Pat Spillane quoting the rule and the reaction to that. In a roundabout way, but they were right. But let's not get into that either. Well, we kind of have to because last week Brian Cody put his hands on a linesman. I know. You can argue it was pretty much the same thing that Dermot Connolly did. Well, I'm saying it's not the same thing, but, but anyways, But the on. pundits absolutely, totally, Michael Dignan and Anthony Daly... Um, sorry, Michael's getting getting it rough from us today. I don't mean it, Michael. I, I think he, <laughs> Michael's actually an excellent pundit. Oh, they're both brilliant. Yeah, yeah, fanta- fantastic pundits, and I've worked with them both, and I hope to continue to work with them both. But it's interesting how hurling pundits in general are softer on that kind of stuff than footballing pundits. Sean Moran had a very interesting piece in the Irish Times during the week where, where, where he said the football pundits tend to kind of seek it out and go harder, whereas the hurling pundits try to gloss over it and they go softer. I'm not sure if they seek it out and go harder, but like Splan Brawley and, and O'Rourke. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing so, there. That those of course, aren't yeah, Sean's yeah. exact words. But they're, they're such staples of, of the Sunday game. Like the hurling pun has changed a lot and they're, they're they're changing a bit more. But like I was proud of Pat Splan and Colin O'Rourke actually taking a stance. I was watching the Sunday game expecting it not to, to be brushed over and not to happen. Now, with the Connolly with the Cody thing at the weekend, right? Like I don't want to get into this because I I found the cup the couple of weeks like what Connolly did was wrong he shouldn't have did it now I don't think he should have got twelve weeks he should have got a ban and it's an absolute travesty that he's missing the the whole summer like he's my favorite player to watch his aggression his skill he's my favorite player to watch even if that blue jersey turns me as a mead man I love watching Dermot Connolly but what he did was wrong he deserved the ban I'm not sure if it was twelve weeks I don't think Splann and 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 O'Rourke did that and wrong in the way they portrayed it on the Sunday game that night yeah they quoted what, the rules but what Cody did right yeah. Cody's aggression is towards Shanahan and McGrath on the line he's arguing over line ball he's trying to get on an official Tommy the, the official gets in between them and now the way he puts his hand on the, on the official isn't in an aggressive manner Connolly pokes him in the chest now I don't want to get into it because I honestly feel like it's so a, you're it's saying a that Connolly sought out the official I don't want to say this no he, he didn't sought out the official he was, his anger was directed at yeah. the linesman Cody yeah. is trying to get by him and the linesman places himself in front yes. of Brian Cody now okay. Cody okay puts okay. his hands okay. on the okay. linesman's arms but okay. he's not up in his I chest pointing that. in his chest I accept that I oh, accept let's that. move on I, I don't ex- want to no, get into no, this no 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 because we have to Tommy we have to and I want to right that's fair enough what you're saying but they didn't even really debate it that's what they usually do like why not but we didn't talk about it on off the ball we didn't discuss it on off the ball we sat in a meeting on Monday and I made the argument that I'm making right now yes that I honestly I I don't think that the aggression was towards the linesman so you're saying it's okay for the 
But the pundits do it got a bit softer last week because it wasn't the same thing. Well, not really. Like what I'm saying is that the rule is too loose. The inter- like yeah. the way the GA have phrased the rule, the way the GA have it that it's a it's a 12 week ban if you put your hands on a linesman leaves you open yeah. to messes like this. And that it's like it's yeah. an, I know it evolves. It's an ancient rule book, and look, there's so many things I don't want to be given out. Like I'm giving off it's on a game. I'm, giving, I'm blaming the GA for the Connolly and, the, and these Cody yeah. incidents. But like you're you're opening yourself to these messes like that we have these sagas that we have yeah. by leaving the rules so open if you put your hand on a linesman or an official you're sanctioned to a 12 week ban come out of it interpret it the way it happens you probably have to be specific though Tommy because we've seen in the past with the Tiernan McCann case that bringing the game into disrepute is just too big a charge and if you keep it general there will always be a way out of it so they have to have very specific rules Oh, look, yeah, maybe, maybe, look, maybe. It's, look, it's a head record. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to no. see people tweeting any more photos of Keenan O'Connor having his hands on Maris Deegan in some sort of a way. Like, still shots of, of stuff that would just turn your gut, like, you're sick of them. Like. It's such a pity that this is audio and not visual because I would love for people to see the exasperated look on your face. Right, <sighs> let's go to the former Let's Tyrone. talk football, Oshie. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about yeah. hurling. We'll get to hurling soon. We'll talk about Dublin and Kildare. We'll also talk a bit more about Meath because you were at that game and mm. it actually is quite an interesting thing because I'm curious to find out what you thought about Donegal. Obviously, they go on in the qualifiers and I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you think Andy McEntee is doing in charge of Meath. They're out earlier than they would want to, but I think... Uh, same, same time as most years, but still, there's like there was positive signs on Saturday night. Well, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into it later. Because he has said, basically, this is kind of a long-term project. Of course we'll get is. into that. It definitely is. First, though, it's a former Tyrone footballer, Enda McGinley, winner of four Ulster titles. And Enda, uh, before we talk about Sunday's Ulster final, let's bring back some happy memories for you. And there is the full-time whistle. A very one-sided Ulster final. No question this time about the result. Tyrone deserving winners. And I'm sure that brings back very happy memories for you. That's from the Ulster final replay of 2003. Dara Maloney of RTE calling Tyrone's win against Down. Your first Ulster senior final victory, I believe. That was uh, in 2002. As so, but injured many at the time. So, oh, 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 three was sort of a breakthrough for that team. But I suppose already that team had moved on to our, our aims and our targets had had moved on to greater things like our celebrations after that final I suppose the, the replay was a pretty facile win in the end uh, and our celebrations were quite muted after it uh, very much showing that we were sort of aiming for, for bigger things that thankfully we went on to achieve but certainly that Ulster final uh, the the first match in particular was just it, it was a special game of football not great from our point of view but for looking back on and, and pride to be involved in it, it it was a mighty game of football I guess Back in that time, Armagh were really the main enemy and then outside of Ulster, maybe Kerry. Uh, the last couple um, of years, though, down kind of haven't really been on the radar. So it's a funny kind of dynamic ahead of this Ulster final, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Down, down slipped badly and really took, took huge uh, negative press over the past two years. They went on that long, long run uh, without a win, which they eventually broke this year in the third round of the league against Meath. And, uh, there was a lot of negativity around the camp. They had lost a lot of their key players from the 2010 uh, All-Ireland final run. And they were pretty much viewed realistically as, as, as a non-entity in terms of challengers for, for the Ulster title. So they, they have turned that round in big stead. The, the first round match between them and Armagh would have been seen as being even enough. It wouldn't have been a massive surprise that Down managed to come through that, although Armagh were the more fancied team. But certainly their semi-final performance against Monaghan really made people sit up and take notice. It caught everybody by surprise. Uh, and they were full value for the victory. They they just produced a massive, massive performance. And 
I think that yes, they caught Monaghan on the hop to an extent, but you can't really take anything away from the from the ferocity and the intensity of the down performance that day. And I'll come back to the uh, down ferocity intensity in, in a couple of minutes. I have another question for you on that. But just to go back to O3 for a moment, coming into that final. Excuse my ignorance now, but where we're down at, like, was this, was it a similar setup to this weekend? Were you, were you guys heavy favourites in 3 going into that first final? I know Down got a couple of goals in the in the first game when I went to a replay, but like, what was the setup in the couple of weeks beforehand? Were were Tyrone the favourites? Yeah, we we would have been strong favourites for that, and I and expected to come through. It. Down would have been building off the back. 1999, the 1-0 Ireland minor title. Liam Doyle yeah. and Michael Walsh and Ronan Sexton and Ronan Murta, that sort of crew of boys. Dan Gordon and Benny Coulter were in. So they, they, this new young team, and they still had the old hands, Gregory McCartan and James McCartan still lingering on. I think that might have been there last year. So they, they, they had a decent mix, but where we had pushed on to under-21 All-Irelands in yeah. 2000 and 2001, won the National League in 2 won the National League in 3 uh, we were very much challenging at, at high levels whereas Down really hadn't come through yes they had a decent side but the, but we certainly would have been viewed as strong favourites as you say in the yeah. final and it just took on a life of its own they they were 9 points up with 15 minutes to go uh, Gregory McKee sent off for a for a throw of the ball off Brian McGuigan's head that was controversial mm. and then Peter won a penalty which some viewed as soft I as a thrown man viewed as a dead ringer yeah. uh, he dispatched that and that got us back into the game we came back from the 9 points down levelled it with maybe 3-4 to go and they came up the other end and got another goal to go three ahead again and right. came back and left. So it, it was a, Sounds it like was a, cracker. a crazy game of football. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but just, just what you're saying, is you're, you're talking about what you guys had won in the couple of years before that, and we, we know now, looking back, that this was a phenomenal Tyrone team that was coming through. Um, like, obviously your eyes, now, the second you won that Ulster final, your eyes were towards a, a greater prize, and you, you've spoken about how you, you, you had muted celebrations. Like Tyrone going into this weekend, like an Ulster final for a lot of these boys. I know it's quite a young Tyrone squad in a lot of ways, and an Ulster final would be huge for them. An Ulster title would be big too, even going off the back of last year. But are their eyes ahead as well? Like, could they get caught by down in a similar way to you boys were nearly caught back in '03? Absolutely, any team can get caught. No, no doubt about that. And Tyrone are favourites coming into this game. And speaking to some of the players, they they are very confident of being able to beat down. And I think I think rightfully so. But I would imagine, given the Monaghan performance from down, given the fact that they caught Monaghan on the hop, given the fact that plenty of people are being realistic about whilst the the quality of the Tyrone play and the Donegal performance was massive, mm. Donegal were obviously very very poor, and yeah. the same Tyrone players are 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 saying that they know Donegal were poor. So there's enough there for them to keep a keep the head down and focus on yeah. this. But you can't look we all know about complacency, you can't rule it out completely. Of course. But I think for Tyrone, similar to Dublin, Dublin are all always favourites and they, they approach games in a very professional manner. And I think you'll see that from Tyrone on Sunday. They mightn't have the same verve that they had against Donegal mm. and would have had a wee bit more in them, a wee bit more anger in them, a wee bit more uh, of, of a rivalry there to stoke up against Donegal playing them. Well, they've against had... down that, it wouldn't be the same rivalry. But they've but had their warning. The, well, absolutely, absolutely. The, the Monon performance was massive. Just, uh, just on that Monon, just on that Monon performance, sorry to cut across you, Enda, um, Joe Barley had a package on the Sunday game that night that I absolutely yeah. adored. Of Now, and people, I saw people asking, you could hear Des asking, well, what about the knees? And It was just the way that Down set the tone in that game. And 
the first time McManus gets the ball, he gets nailed, and then he gets nailed again. And the amount of turnovers they had, I think they had a, a phenomenal. I think they had fourteen turnovers I read during the week that they had in that game. And yeah. you could just see Kevin McKernan smashing Conor McCarthy's shoulder in the second half and stripping of the ball. And to be honest with you, it reminded me of you guys in 03. And it reminded me a little bit of the start of that All Ireland final, the All Ireland semi final against Kerry. And there's that amazing photo. I'm not sure if you're in the photo, but I can picture I can picture Stephen uh, O'Neill. I lose you're the in ball it every time. Do I you? Turn Do to you? the narrow side every single time and get stripped of the ball. Does it? But, but that it just only re- serves up for another bathroom match for another minute or two. It just reminds me of that manic kind of aggression that that should yeah. be in championship games, right? So so Down mm-hmm. brought that against Monaghan and it served them brilliantly. How can they? produce something like that again so put yourself into a down a down into the down dressing room this week how do you produce that again against Tyrone Tyrone know it's coming Tyrone are the masters of setting that tone over the last 15 years in a lot of ways yeah. how do you how do you get at Tyrone funny I was thinking I was thinking of that very thing coming down the road today just thinking about the game again mm. coming in on Sunday and thinking that frosty that intensity that you've seen of down in that match in Monaghan and recalling again the, the times that Tyrone sort of produced that too that for me, is is a special place that teams occasionally find themselves in, and I yeah. don't think you can manufacture it. Yeah. I think it comes when there is a team that has a quality to it, has produced performances that they are happy with, that they feel are showing that they're going the right direction, where so everybody's in a happy place in the camp. Okay. They're they're producing good football, but maybe outside of that, the results haven't really got the credit they deserve. So there's an anger there and a readiness to stand up, and also they're not being given the respect that they deserve yeah. by the opposition. And then they come in in a game that they're written off. So for Down, they produced a performance against Armagh and a, and a few performances at the latter end of the National League. They felt... They were on the right course and within the camp they were obviously a pretty happy camp all pulling behind the manager and very happy with the way they were so they were in a good place and growing in confidence. They then were coming into a team completely, into a game completely right and off and in, in the classic Irish mentality there is no better place to be the underdog but when you're an underdog and with confidence and belief in yourselves, then you can produce a massive performance. That carry performance that you that you referenced, yeah. we were coming into that. We believed 100% that we were better than Kerry. Yeah. But Kerry were the team that were always the best and particularly always had, had better thrown. And so that was our day to stamp our authority, to stand up and say, this is us. You can now start counting us. Uh, similarly, again, Dublin in 08, our performance that year, we were building through the back door. We produced a performance against Mayo where we scraped through in the last round of the qualifiers. It wasn't great, but for us it was a big win. Mayo were a good side. Yeah. And so we were very happy with where we are, were, but were completely written off against the Dublin team who we had no real fear of. And once again, we produced a huge performance, a lift from that. But you can't manufacture that scenario down now can't yeah. manufacture the fact that they're written off they're not really written off yes thrown are favourites but everybody's talking about the down swagger everybody's re- talking about the return yeah. of the down confidence and that massive performance against Monaghan so they can't manufacture that again they will try yeah. but you can't yeah. manufacture it's a very special circumstance and teams just catch fire and Enda you mentioned that they are down's physicality and the fact that maybe it will be difficult for them to replicate the performance against Monaghan but even if they do down caught Monaghan on the counter-attack quite a lot. They were on top in a, in a physicality stakes in, mm-hmm. in that game. They maybe caught Monaghan for numbers at the back at times. If there's any team who are set up to defend that and exploit it, it is Tyrone. 
you're absolutely right. I think Tyrone, uh, Monaghan were 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 varying their tactics a wee bit, and obviously the two men, the two potent men up front, they were growing in confidence that they could maybe outscore teams. Uh, Tyrone have remained pretty pragmatic. They have remained watertight in defence while they've been working on improving their counter-attacking play. So absolutely, the Tyrone strategy doesn't really change now, no matter what team they come up against. They're very very solid for me. And and the other big thing, Conair Harrison was the boy that just completely caught everybody by surprise and gave Drew Wiley a run around that I've I've never seen Drew I've never Wiley seen that get. Either. Yeah, but for any intercounty forward now, whenever you stand up and have one of them big games, the teams just go to work. Very very rarely, no matter what top quality forward you're talking about, very rarely can they put two head sort of real grabbing performances back to back because teams just can do such a job on you. So. Claire Harrison is going to be in for the toughest 70 minutes of his life. I have no doubt about it. And if you shut him down and if you shut that long ball option down, Jerome Johnson, the man that stays in alongside him, is much smaller, more fleet of foot. Uh, but you start to struggle to see where, where they're going to attack that thrown defence. Yeah. Uh, I think Harrison's so actually in doubt. I think he did his hammy late on against um, Monaghan. I think he's actually he, in doubt he, for he the did. weekend. He, he, but, he did. And the hamstring, I, I'd imagine I can only imagine that he'll play. Yeah. Uh, it didn't seem to be a math. It seemed to be a tweak. Hopefully yeah, yeah. more than that. Like I would, I would hope that he's available because he's been a great player to watch. Mm. Uh, and it's it's a nice intriguing thing to watch how how Drone cope with that. But I think even if he is playing, uh, I think Drone have the have the personnel to deal with it. I think in midfield, Drone will have the upper hand there in terms of their mobility. Peter Turley, I don't think is overly mobile. The, Nell Donnelly has been impressive, but I think Drone have are are better in midfield. Mm. And as you say, this defensive system of in Trone, it has puzzled lots of teams, and Down haven't come up against it yet. And a a fancy Drone for that reason. And we had a chat before and after the Derry game, and since that they've gone on to beat Donegal. You were making the point then that Tyrone, what they do, they do well, but they haven't evolved enough in, a, in an attacking sense. Do you think that's there, still very much the case from what you've seen in their two championship games so far? Like that day against Derry, one of the wee things that we were looking at was the Mark Bradley influence and, and his role in the full forward line. And it looked decent against Derry, although he ended up actually getting subbed. He could have easily went on to get man of the match. He just missed two sort of Mark Bradley dead cert scores at the start of the second half. Donegal, it would have been hard to tell on TV, but his movement was phenomenal. And that movement inside occupied two, three Donegal defenders, gave Tyrone an avenue out several times and made, meant that they both had the long ball and running game options. So Bradley has been brilliant for Tyrone in that full forward line. He's not your stereotypical intercounty full forward target man. He is small, but his movement is just amazing. Uh, so again, it'll be really interesting to see. Down will obviously be drawing more attention now onto him as well and can they shut him down but at the minute for me Trone are developing that second option uh, Mark Bradley's the key man but as ever uh, you know it's can he keep going in, as and I guess we, we might see and that attention gets more yeah we mightn't see that fully until they get to Crow Park and Tommy was saying it as well have they moved on from that Mayo performance last year well that's and that's what I said to, to you after the Derry match too is that you know the the questions. Everybody knows of the various wee critiques of the throne team that's there. Everybody accepts that they're a, a really really good team, really well organised, yeah. experienced manager, talent. Uh, all the boxes are ticked. You're just wondering have they got that wee extra thing to really produce the goods in the big big games. So until the big big games come, yeah. we we don't get any answers. And the same Donegal performance was amazing. 
brilliant to watch as a throwing person. You were just like so rarely can a team per- perform at that level. But it still, unfortunately, doesn't answer the questions. They will remain until the players answer it in the big games from Croker. And just before we let you go, we'll get your prediction. And I have to say, I, I feel a bit silly because with Shane Stapleton on the podcast before the Monaghan Down game, I asked, and I forget who it was we actually had on, I asked if this game will be tough enough opposition for Monaghan before an Ulster final. And then we saw well, what happened. I accidentally I accidentally <laughs> completely wrote off down by accident. Yeah. I, I thought Monaghan were in a semi-final when they bet... Um, was it from Anna? From Anna, yeah. I thought they were in a semi-final yeah. already. Like, so, Darren um, really, Darren really are right uh, to have the chip on the shoulder. And it, I presume you're you're going for a Tyrone win. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going for a Tyrone win. But I suppose it's been great. Like one of the big criticisms early on in the championship was that everything was just far too predictable, and yeah. the shocks had gone. And sure, we've had Mayo, Galway, yeah. Galway, Roscommon, we've had the, up on Ulster. So it's it's brilliant to now have to at least second guess yourself again. But look, for me. Trone just have have too many aces. They're they're too far advanced, and I think they'll go out and they'll do a professional job. I don't think they'll they'll set the world alight, but I don't think they'll have to. Uh, and for me, it'll be Trone by by a few. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on no problem the at Balls all, Friday GA Cheers, podcast. Man. They do win it. They do win it, and they move the ball forward. And here's Brendan Murphy. The crowd are roaring along. He's in acres of space. The Rod Billy man. Brendan Murphy goes in field. Goes for the job. I don't care how many times you hear that, it's entertaining every time. Brendan Hennessy of KCLR, along with footballing great from Carlo, Willie Quinlan, who won an All-Ireland B with Carlo and was part of a very successful Aero Oak team that won a couple of Leinster titles. Willie, the former senior, intermediate and junior footballer of the year in Carlo, still talking out, still one of the best. I'm pretty sure he won the junior footballer of the year in Carlo in the same year that his son won the senior cha- Championship Player of the Year. Are you asking for confirmation here? I'm, 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 no I, I can tell by the look on your face that I'm asking the wrong man for confirmation, mm. but the son is a very good player as well. Anyway, Stephen Poacher, you're you're training the team. You're the coach of the Carlo footballers. Before we get into the game against um, against Monaghan this weekend, how did you end up working with uh, Carlo manager Turlock O'Brien? Yeah, I suppose everybody's sort of asking the question, well, how did you two guys end up meeting? But, you know, Turlock and, and Tommy Wogan are, are big football men, Oshin, you know, and they, they would go and try the length and breadth of the country to watch a football game or to go to a coaching conference. And over the last couple of years, I've been on a, a pretty successful coaching conference down in my own school in Kilkeel. And uh, last two years ago, the two guys were actually the first two at it. We had 144 coaches from all over Ireland attended today. And uh, Turlock and Tommy happened to get out of the car and introduce themselves and struck up a bit of a friendship. A few emails were exchanged and... I went down last year, took a handful of sessions last year in the middle of the season, but it was at the end of the year where Turlock sort of said to me, you know, would you be interested in coming on board on a more full-time basis? And obviously, you know, I had to speak to the boss at home and see what she said. But, uh, you know, I just thought, well, I'll, I'll go for it. And, you know, it was back in November, we started out in Siena in the training camp in Siena in the training centre, and we, we expelled from there, then from one session a week to two to three, and then to just a full-time role, you know. In some ways, as a coach, it seems like a crazy move because Carlo had done nothing over the years. In other ways, it seems like a very smart move because if you go in there and the results come, which they have, it makes you look very good. It makes the footballers look very good. And, you know, in, in an individual sense, Stephen, it's it's no harm for your profile and for, for your career in football. Yeah, listen, I love coaching. I should have a passion about coaching. Like, and I, I love seeing the, the difference that you know, your coaching can make and I haven't, haven't, has it surprised me that we've made such progress? No, probably not because 
I did see last year there was enough talent and enough sort of uh, scope within the squad. I mean, there's some very, very talented individuals. You know, you know yourself, the, the household names, the Brendan Murphy, the Sean Gannons, the Paul Broderick, that these guys are, are as good a football as there is out there, you know. But there was a willingness and a real desire to learn and to progress. And I know when Turnock took over three years ago, Carlo were sort of rock bottom in Division 4. They were probably rated the worst county in Ireland at that stage as such, you know. But over the three years, Turnock did gradually make progress with the squad. And, you know, I liked what he said. I liked what his plans were. I liked the ideas. And I thought, well, why not? You know, it's an opportunity, as you say, to, to work at senior at the county level. Uh, it was an opportunity to work outside your own province. You know, sometimes when you spend a lot of time in Ulster, you know, the Ulster psyche, the Ulster sort of mentality sort of can drain you a little bit as well. And it was very refreshing to work in Leinster, you know, where I feel, you know, teams are maybe a bit more honest, a bit more open about their football, you know. So it was, it was, a, it was a good experience, definitely a brilliant experience for what, me anyway. What do you mean by a bit more honest and a bit more open about their football? Well, I just, I just think Ulster football I mean, is very attritional, you know. I think it's mm. very attritional. And even, even going down to schools levels now, you've got schools football, it's, you know, it's more of attrition every game you play, and it's a battle, you know. Yeah. And, it, it's sometimes when you're in that psyche all the time, it's very, very difficult, you know, to sort of really, I would even probably go as far as saying to enjoy it every week, you mm. know, when, 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 you're, when you're sort of watching that. So, um, you know, I suppose in Leinster, you know, it, it's it's maybe the darker arch, and maybe not explored as much, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I find it very refreshing to, to, to go there and work there, you know. Have you found it, it's improved yourself? In terms of coaching as well, like is that, is that what you're trying? Is that what you're saying at the moment? Is that what you're saying? Kind of uh, moving, well, moving look, out, kind of. I will look. Look, I, I brought my own attributes as a coach, like you know. Of course, yeah. My own strengths to, to Carlo, like, and I suppose we've complemented each other quite well. Uh, you know, people ask me what my two greatest traits are. I would probably say, you know, my, my industrious nature and my, and my enthusiasm. You know, and I suppose that that has has worked off for the guys as well, and and they've, they've really bought into everything I said. I think when you're setting up any sort of a game plan or any sort of system of play. You know, two things are very, very important, uh, guys, and and one, I suppose, is, is the clarity of everybody's role. And we made everybody's role at the, at the start of the year very, very clear from the, from the first game we played against Queen's University in a challenge game way back in the depths of December in in Darva and Louth, and you could hardly mm. see one end of the pitch to the other. You know, we we went with a structured game plan and we stuck with that. And I think the biggest thing then on top of role clarity is role acceptance. And I think the players have all accepted their roles. You know, they've all accepted the game plan. They realise, yeah, this is going to improve us. This is the way forward. And you know, it's been very enjoyable and very refreshing. What are the key things that you've worked on with Carlo? Because I've seen a lot of games in Carlo over the years at club level. I've commentated on a few county finals there. I actually live there. So I know that, you know, they love football. They're as interested in football as they are in any other county. But just when it came to the county team, all the cliches of a team that didn't perform were there. Guys maybe weren't interested. They weren't committing. There just was no love of the jersey. So was was that the kind of primary thing that you and Turlo have had to work on, or is it skills? How how does it work? Is it mental or well, or physical? I, I, I physical. Think, I think I think there's a lot of actually, honestly, I think there's a lot of pride and a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of sort of you, you know spirit within the panel. And I think it does mean a lot for the guys to to represent Turlo. There's no doubt about that. But maybe there's just a little bit of maybe in previous years before Turlo, maybe there's a little bit of misguidance, you know, and maybe maybe things were just a little bit too unstructured, you know, and maybe they were just sent out to play. Like when we, when I looked at statistics last year, we conceded I think nineteen and a half scores a game in the national league, which you know was the first thing we identified. Look, if if we're going to progress this year, we can't be conceding nineteen scores a game because mm. you, you know you're giving yourself a terrible platform to build from there. So I think when the national league stats were done there, they would get it nice at the end of the year. I think we out of all four divisions, I think we the third best defensive record in among the thrones in the league. Also, yeah. that was something that we really needed to establish straight away that we had to get some sort of defensive platform in place which would allow us to contest games because there is a scoring threat there, you know, and 
scoring was never an issue. You know, offensively was never a big issue, but I suppose defensively one of the first things we had to address was, you know, what way we were approaching games and, uh, and our mindset in the games. And, uh, and I think, you know, throughout the course of the National League, our, our statistics would show that we, we, we rapidly improved in that. And I suppose even the game against Dublin as well, I know there was a comment came from a certain Leinster camp before they played Dublin. They didn't want a moral victory like Carlo, but it's a shock and surprised me when I heard them were going to have a go. And I, I would love to know the definition of having a go is, you know, when you go out and lose by... 30 plus points it, yeah. it, it sort of baffles me you know so I think you have to have before you play any sport whether it's soccer Gaelic or rugby there has to be some sort of defensive platform in place and some sort of structure that you're going to be cannon fodder you know so I think that was the first key area that we had to identify to be honest and I, I read a couple of weeks ago um, you were saying that a lot of the work you've done with Carlo has been football first You were, I think I think the quote was 95% of the training you've done is, is with, with the ball how is that have you seen that reflected on the pitch? Like, how, how does that serve a team when when the focus is on on is on football? No listen, I, I think the fun's gone out of football, guys. I, I'll be totally honest. I think some of the stories that I hear from other camps and, and look, 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 everybody's their own. I, I'm not I'm not here to pontificate about what's good and what's bad. But what I do feel is that I think there's not enough football played in certain counties, and there's not enough emphasis on football first. I think a lot of emphasis on conditioning. You know, I'm hearing stories about people wrestling and training. You know, yeah. Teams doing MMA training and stuff. It's 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 unbelievable what's going on. But our approach and my approach, I suppose, yeah. has been always has been whether it's been schools or county, has always been football first. You know, the ball's the most important piece of equipment you'll ever use. Can you get fit with the football? Of course you can. And the one thing I'm supposed to be asked, I hear the other lads have they enjoy training. They love it. I enjoy going to training because yeah. I know that I'm going down to work with a group group of guys who are very receptive, who love training. They, they, they love my own training, and I suppose I know this sounds a bit sort of. Uh, uh, egotistical on my behalf but I, I sort of sometimes take a step back myself and think when I was a player I would love to have had a session like that you know because yeah. that's what you want you you want yeah. the session built around condition games you want players to solve things you want them to work problems out on the field for themselves because once they cross the white line you need Definitely, thinking yeah. footballers you need thinking footballers you know yeah. Stephen there's been a nice balance to your championship run so far you played Wexford who are a fellow Division 4 team and obviously going into that they were favourites but you knew that you had a chance of beating them and their opposition that are you know at your level so of course you should think you have a chance of beating them then you played Dublin and the, the game plan was tweaked a bit and you performed quite well after that you beat London and then beat Leitrim again two teams in or around your level in or around Division 4 and those are games that you would expect to win and you did win does the the approach change for this game against Monaghan because they're coming from Division 1 they've been regular Ulster title winners in the last couple of years and they will be hot favourites, even though it's in Netwatch Cullen Park. But but what is your approach, and how does it change as compared to the previous two games in which you've beaten Division Four opposition? Yeah, listen, I, I, I took a great interest in the National League this year in, in Division One and Division Two, and I have to say I'm super impressed with Monaghan throughout the National League. And you know, there's no doubt Monaghan, in my opinion, are the top seven, eight sides in the country. There is no there's no no doubt about that whatsoever. And we obviously would be wary of that, but. We're on the Noah losing Saturday night's going to be an extremely difficult game for us. Uh, obviously, from an experience point of view, you know, we talked about the Docker Arts early in Ulster. Mm. Monaghan would be further on down the line with that respect as well. And that's something that we're going to have to be wary of as well, obviously, on Saturday night. But I suppose, from our own perspective, not an awful lot of changes. We had a game plan from the start of the year. We've worked on that. We've tried to harness that. We will stick to our guns and stick to our principles. You know, we will defend when we when we need to defend. We'll, we'll attack when we need to attack. And it, suppose you talk to the teams that are in there. I know Wexford got promoted this year, and to be honest with you, you know I was very disappointed because I genuinely believe Carlow were the second best team in the division. We were the only team to take points off West Meath. 
you know, we, we had easily the, the best defensive record in the league. You know, we, we, we slipped up in, in one terrible game at home to London, which ultimately cost us promotion. And the difficult thing about Division 4 is in every other division, every team is playing for something every week. You either have teams playing for relegation or you have teams playing for promotion. But mm. unfortunately, in Division 4, mm. if you make a mistake early, a lot of teams throw the, throw the tile in very early because they're not going to be promoted and they're not going to get relegated. And therefore, then, shocks don't really happen as often and the battle for points isn't really as, as great as it is in the three and the two and the one. So, uh, you know, this promotion this year was a massive disappointment because we got so close, you know, and when I watched the the, the league final in Copac as well, I, I really do feel we would have given Westmead, you know, a much sterner test than, than Wexford in the day. But hats off to Wexford, they got promoted. Good luck to them, you know, and, and over the course of seven games, they probably deserved it. But, Ironically, Leighton and London were the only two games we didn't win in Division 4, you know, where we didn't take points off. So, going into the championship games, it was a bit of, I suppose they were perfect draws from a redemption point of view. We wanted to, you know, sort of put the put, put it right that, you know, listen, you know, we probably were the second best team in the division this year and, and, and that, that, was, that was nice. That was nice that we got those two wins, you know. It definitely was. And just before we let you go, Sean Murphy, after the game against Dublin, refused to be interviewed even though he had won the Man of the Match award, he said he was too disappointed. Does that very much sum up him as a character, that he didn't want to kind of a rub on the head, he didn't want to take plaudits? As far as he was concerned, a loss was a loss. It didn't matter that it was against the All-Ireland favourites. Listen, Sean, Sean Gaze is a very, very unique man, and I tell you what, I've never met anything like him before. He's, he's a phenomenal character, and I don't know if people are aware of this, but I think it needs to be said publicly. On the morning of that match, Sean actually helped his father shear 50 sheep at the farm at no. home dinner. Now, that, that, that is fact. You know, I, I met his parents after the match and his father was very emotional that he got mad at the match and his father happened to say to one of the guys, you know, Sean was without sharing sheep with me this morning. Now, I don't think Gamer Conley and the guys were sharing sheep in the morning of the Dublin match, but, uh, you know, it's it's a phenomenal story. Uh, he has come from a very, very limited football background. He had a ball in the hand probably for the first time in a long time this year. He was a hurler by trade. Uh, we, we've, 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 we've worked with him. We've molded him into what I think is one of the uh, perfect examples of this modern game where you're talking about line breakers and you're talking about guys that can, can make pace and run. Sean's a phenomenal athlete yeah. uh, as well and, and, and he's, he has improved and he's such a lovely lad, guys. I, I can't even emphasize how much of a nice fellow he is. He's, he's the salt of the earth. He's a big, innocent country chap who just loves playing football and you, listen, I'm not being disrespectful here but Sean wouldn't be able to take name three Dublin players and that's the truth, you know, and it wouldn't and I love that about him. I love that innocence about him where there's just he's just going out to play football and He's no interest in anything else. He just wants to play football and enjoys playing for Carlo and loves the goals that comes along with it, you know. And he's a great character, a phenomenal character, and hats off to him. It's just a pity we couldn't, and, you know. <laughs> maybe I, I don't know what, what do you do with him, but if we if we could if we could mould him and we could put <laughs> <laughs> him into four or five other Sean Murphys now, you know, further on then yeah. we're seeing it would be fantastic. But no, he's a great lad, a you great do, lad. Now he is. You do have pace in your team, though, Stephen, and that that would probably give you and all the Carlo fans a bit of hope ahead of this game against Monaghan because we've seen in the past they're susceptible in the qualifiers and we saw against Down they like every other team I guess are susceptible to pace on the break and I assume that would be a big part of your game plan to, to sit back and try and get them on the break oh, well, look it's a big part of Monaghan's game too you know Monaghan are obviously further on down the line with us than, than us with their system and you know Maliki Rourke I know Maliki sort of through PE teaching and things like that Maliki's a very very smooth operator a very good coach you know, and I know Monaghan obviously will look to hit us on the break as well, and they'll obviously look to exploit us. You know, and there's, there's serious quality in that Monaghan team too. You know, and look, it's 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 a game that that we're going into in bonus territory, guys. We're into the last 14. 
you know, our, our goal and our aim at the start of the year, we, we sat in a room in January and we probably talked about maybe that ultimate top 20, you know, from where we were coming from. And for us to get to the top 14 now is, is fantastic to be one of the 14 teams left in the championship. I think it's brilliant. And I suppose it would be remiss of me not to mention, you know, the talk of a B championship. And I think it's just hugely disrespectful to talk of a B championship for counties like Carlo because, you know, I look at the Sunday game analysis last week and it made me chuckle that they give you 54 seconds of coverage. Yeah. And that's the, the, the coverage that they offer you in an A championship. Mm. I, I, I dread and fear what it would be like in a B championship, you know. And I know we've got guys pontificating about this B championship, B championship, but these are the same guys that have never managed to coach senior teams in their lives, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot more respect for the likes of, of the Pundits and Sky TV and things like that. The guys that have been in the front line, you know, your Jim McGinnis and the Peter Cannabis, who stood up and says, you know, I've taken a senior into county team. I know what it is. I know what it takes. And that, that's... Yeah. That's something that well, we would respect a lot more, I suppose, than, than this calls for a B championship from, from certain individuals, you know. Stephen, what I would say is that in the draw, you got two teams that you would be on the same level with and you've been able to build momentum. And obviously in the first game, you played Wexford, so you got the win out of that. And you've earned this crack at Monaghan. But if you got a Monaghan in the first round, that might have killed off your momentum. If you got Dublin in the first round, that might have killed off your momentum. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. can you see that the merits of a B championship that you know you can build momentum and you can you can get wins, whereas if the draw had gone against you this year, you just mightn't have got anywhere. Yeah, but I think that's up to every individual, and um, I think it's up to every individual county to sort of get their house in order, you know. And yeah. you know, obviously, said and says, well, look, you know, we're going to give us a good run. I think a lot of counties are beaten before the championship even starts. You know, a lot of counties, you know, sort of said and says, well, look. We're playing such and such, we're playing extra, playing way with his heads. It's concession of defeat type things, you know. And I think, I think teams out there can be a lot more competitive than they think. I really do believe that. I think, you know, obviously you're looking at, at the Dublin and the Kerry. There's very few times Dublin and Kerry will be shocked. There's very few times you'll ever, someone will ever catch Dublin or catch Kerry. Mm. And I, I appreciate that and I accept that. But there's a lot of counties out there that can be caught. You look at Mayo against Derry, you look at Mayo against Clare up until the goal that was scored. You know, that's a county that contested the All Ireland final last year and we're kicking the ball away from winning. You know, and you're going up against Derry, who completely ripped off last year was the same in the qualifiers. You know, so I just feel that to take that opportunity away from a team to say, look, I want to measure myself against the best. You know, and I think if you look at it, there's probably a, a question out there: Why are these smaller counties type things? Why are they not in favour of the championship? But I think it's very clear when you look at the day we had against Dublin and the guys get exposure on TV. Like you don't understand what that does for further on down the food chain in Carlo. Like a young lad, we've brought a couple of young lads in the panel. We've got a young lad in the panel, Jordan Morrissey, who's a minor, who's an exceptional minor, mm. phenomenal physique. Now, he's not in the panel to make a difference at a come on on Saturday night. He won't be, probably won't even step out. But to have him in and around this at this minute, experiencing this, he's got a feedback in the under-21s next year. It's going to drip feed down the line, you know, and you're going to have a momentum. You're going to have a... But if, if a young lad from Carlos watching Carlo in a B championship, you know, I never ever get to play a season play in Dublin. Never I, ever get to I think, play in Monaghan. Stephen, I think one of the problems, I think one of the problems is the fact that it's called a B Championship and, the you know, we, we have history with the Tom yeah. Murphy Cup and I, know, I don't want to get into this too much because I, I completely understand where you're coming from but you take yeah. a, a junior club footballer who's, like, I, I play for a junior club and for us to win a junior championship in Meath is the end all and be all and it means that much to us and to everyone in our parish do you know what I mean so I, I I just think that and from there we can build and the interest in the club will get bigger and better and I just think that if it's, if it's marketed in a better way if it's if it's produced in a better way and you know the rewards are better at the end of it say for Carlo to get on a run in a, in a qualifier in, a, in a, say in the secondary competition and the winners of that can make it into a quarter final I do think there are merits in looking at the structures that we have but I do agree with you. Calling it a B championship and forgetting about it—that's not going to work. You know, like, you know, the the fact that you boys are only given such a limited amount of coverage. Like to be honest with you, since the Dublin game, 
I, I can't tell you how Carlo play because I haven't seen the game live. I haven't been able yeah, to get a sense yeah, of yeah. what what you guys are doing, how you guys are, you know, you made your comeback a couple of weeks, like last week. I, like, it's it's hard to get that sense from, you know, the coverage that we're giving of you. But like, that's an issue as well. Like, if, if it's marketed better, if it's, if it's produced in a better way and if it's sold in a better way, I do think there are merits in getting more competitive football for you boys in the summer. Because it's brilliant to see. Like, yeah. I'd love to know how your boys are handling. Like, I know you're in a bubble right now and you've spoken about how you're disappointed with you didn't get promoted in the league. And that's great to hear. And you'll probably reflect on this summer in a couple of weeks whenever you do end up going out. But like, how, how are you boys, your boys handling their summer so far? Because it's, it's a new experience for them. Yeah, it's a new experience, of course. Like, we'll probably not reflect in a couple of weeks. We'll probably reflect at the end of September. Probably when yeah, of course. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, really of no. course. No, no, I know, I know <laughs> what you mean. I love this man's confidence. <laughs> I've, no, uh, listen, 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 there's no doubt. Look, look, the, the guys are loving it. They're in a crystal wave. They're loving every minute of it. And it's new for them. You know, I suppose, yeah. you know, you've gone back 16 years since Charlo played five championship games or whatever it was. I don't know the statistics, like, but I yeah, know it was a yeah. long time ago, you know, and you were going back seven years before they won a Leinster championship match. And that's, you know, I suppose the guys are, are, are taking it in their stride. You know, like I, I've kept them pretty grounded, you know, and, and I know Turner has as well from from our point of view. Listen, see the media build up before the Dublin game. There's a bit of a, should we let people inside us? Should we let people talk to the players? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why not? Give the guys the exposure they deserve. These guys are training away the same, the same volume of training that any other county in Ireland's doing. They're giving up time. They're giving up jobs. Like the guys give up a holiday. Guys give up a honeymoon. You know, these are guys that are making massive sacrifices, so why not give them the exposure and the credit in the media that they deserve? And look, come Saturday night, if, if one of them turn us over or whatever, I'm sure mm. the cynics would be out there saying, well, that's it. But, you know, the, the fact that they've got so far, the fact that they're getting the crack game on them silent, I think it's fantastic. And the game being live and sky again for the guys is brilliant. It's good exposure for the county as such, you know, and fantastic to the lads, because we have some very, very good footballers, some very good footballers who, who people probably don't appreciate how good they are, you know, and... and I don't want to start taming and gauging and leaving someone out, but there, there's there's an element of footballer in Charlotte that, that I can tell you now is as good as there is out there. There's, there's no doubt about it, you know. And, and look, I, I think it's given us this year's given us a fantastic platform to push on from, and, and, and hopefully we will see Charlotte playing their football at a higher level in, in, in the year following next, you know. Stephen, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Off the Ball's Friday GA podcast. Best of luck against Monaghan this Saturday night. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Tommy, I thought that was really interesting what he said there and I guess when people bring up the B Championship debate there's a bit of eye rolling Mm. but you and he kind of added a new dimension to it there I think it was very smart one thing I would say as a media observer even more so than a football fan or a hurling fan what no one mentions with the B Championship is the fact that the GEA if they really want to if they really care about a B Championship if it ever happens can go and say right part of the TV deal is that you have to show 10 matches and you have to promote it that's part of it you don't get any rights unless you have this oh but like 100% yeah. do you know what I mean like that, that's, that, what, that's, that's, that's what has to happen but that should be it like and yeah. you, like the, there are platforms there like you can like TG Car um, there's, there's, there's streaming on YouTube and Facebook yeah. do you know what I mean like there's so many places to put these games and people will go and watch them they will people will watch them back you know what I want is competitive championships that's it and 
what I said there about a, a junior intermediate senior structure that works at club level I don't see why that couldn't work at county level and that you get the rewards when you get yourselves when you get yourself together you get your club in order your county in order and you push on you get a good group of players you progress and you make it from there and if it's marketed in the right way like we should be showing club football championship games from around the country like, like they should be televised do you know what I mean like there's, there's so much potential in the quality that we now produce in Gaelic games that it should be like there should be so much more of a televised so like there'd be, there'd be no issue if there was a proper V Championship and it was done properly for it to be marketed in the right way and sold in the right way packaged in the right way and there'd be quality there too there is one qualifier we didn't talk about yet that's Tipperary against Armagh this Saturday at 5 o'clock in Thurless you'd have to fancy tip wouldn't you I don't know I like this tip team I'll be honest with you I love them I was I was looking I was looking I was following on Twitter I, I was I was away um on Saturday and I was following the game on Twitter and I saw the cabin were up and I, I know quite a few of the cabin lads and they're they're look they're unlucky they've they've such a good group of players there and I hope to God they end up doing something with it but Michael Quinlivan comes on for tip and you're just thinking right here we go here we go like um and now I didn't I didn't get to see the full game I saw the, I saw the highlights obviously but. Like, it's a lovely tip team. They've got some serious footballers. We know that they're missing plenty as well. Five starters from last year's All-Ireland semi-final didn't, were missing from the starting 15 for that game. You can, you can, name a tipper, yeah. you can nearly name a Tipperary team. If you, if you give me 10 minutes, I could sit down and name a Tipperary team that aren't available for them anymore. Like, what, what they're doing is, is absolutely fantastic and it's an example to loads of different counties. From Armagh, I don't know what to expect. Like, mm. there, there seems to be a, a, a... There's a bit of bite there in the West Mead game. They're gonna, I'm sure they're going to bring it again. Like... We keep saying it, Kieran McGinney, he does have something. He did something with Kildare. If he can do it in his own county, it'd be brilliant. If Armagh get back to where they had been before, it'd be fantastic. I don't know if they're there yet, but it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting game, definitely. Maybe my view of Geezer is skewed because I've worked with him, but I really like Kieran McGinney. He's a really interesting guy, a great guy to just sit down and talk football with. I did a couple of games with him last summer, and I have to say, I found him just intense maybe but mm. but you know he's willing to have a laugh he's he's friendly he's, yeah, yeah. he'll he'll talk away to you and I, he he is he is a footballing man can we use that term in gaelic football well, there's different really types w- there's yeah. different types of footballing men yeah. but are uh, and women but like the way McGinney is that that's the way i i love the way he approaches football and like i know he probably is a bit intense but like mm. look at I, I it's going to be an interesting game on on saturday evening. yeah i know joe has talked about the cult of kieran in the past but you know what Sign me up. But you need a bit of that. You do, you do. Yeah. I am a McGinney convert. Uh, before we leave the football and move on to the hurling, I want to talk to you about Meath and Donegal last weekend. Mm. This was one of these games that wasn't shown live. Mm. Not every game can be shown live. Of course the Sunday not, yeah. game is coming in for a bit of a bashing this week. We don't mean it. Ah, sure, we don't mean it. Uh, well, Tommy does, I don't. Um, talk to me about Meath and where they're going. They lost this game by a point, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. They lost by point, 115-114. Um they drew it up in injury time McGinley puts the ball down you're thinking whoever wins this kick out is going to win this game um, Donegal got that point and like I, I'm sure you've seen the point but it's Ryan McHugh tears down the wing and four three or four me boys follow him and he just pops it back and Paddy, Mur- Paddy McBurty has disappeared behind the 45 yeah. Kyogen can't block it it goes over the bar it's a great point they win it Donegal probably deserved to win like they, they were probably they probably had a bit more in them they had a bit more on the bench but me, Jesus, me frustrated them, and I was so proud of how me frustrated them. And I, like, I'm, I'm not saying it was a moral victory, a moral defeat, yeah. but I just thought there were signs of progression there, and the manner in which Mead went from against Kildare, it looked like they, they weren't too sure what they were doing. Like, it looked like 
I'm not sure what they were told because I wasn't in the dressing but it's like they were told listen lads if you think you have to get back get back yeah. you know we'll all push forward together but if you think you have to get back get back and they seem to be caught no man's land too many times yeah. against Donegal they knew what they were doing yes. and the fact that Andy McEntee and Jerry McEntee and Donald Kurtz and the rest of the back team have put that together in a short period of time like in, in the middle of a championship when you haven't got that much time to work yeah. on something I think that look this is a long term project I think that he can really build something in Mead and Mead have found a couple of gems this year like yes. Breen Conlon was a midfield I'm not sure if Breen's a midfielder but he was bloody brilliant he's 20 Ronan Jones showed how good he was on the ground in terms of physicality the way he can break a line the way that Stephen Poacher was talking about a little earlier with John Mo- Sean Murphy Ro- Jones has shown how good he can be um, Rory Aquilon has shown how good a footballer he is these boys are 20-21 there's plenty of footballers in Mead and mm-hmm. I think McIntyre over the next couple of months can put these structures together and can build a team the way he wants to build it and you won't see look the, the performance against Galera was really disappointing but like this is a very this is early days in a, in a young project and Donica Boyle of the Irish Independent and of course your club mate was on this very podcast Boiler. last week what was he saying he was basically outlining the low base meter coming from and how big a job this actually is yeah. and looking from the outside and I'm a McEntee fan as you're aware um, he he seems to have had a very positive start what about Donegal took a bit of a pacing from Tyrone people were then questioning whether or not they were where they think they should be yeah so I, 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 maybe it's somewhere in between what do you think yeah I don't know what to make of Donegal I was really impressed with the young lads that Gallagher brought through this year mm-hmm. they had some superb footballers and some superb performances in the league they had the first championship win was grand it was against Antrim got through it it was a good win the, the, the younger lads looked good and you were just thinking are these boys do they know what they're in for against Tyrone and Tyrone gave them a pace them now against Meath, I was surprised. I honestly was surprised by how well Mead frustrated them. Now they put up one fifteen, but Mead frustrated them. There were so many times where I just saw Donegal passing it back and forth and back and forth, and Mead had turned them over and break, mm. and we're just lacking a bit of maybe ah, incisiveness. Now Mead did get a couple of breaks. Like Donegal got a goal disallowed just before half time. There was a four point swing. Murphy hit the post with two frees. The two times Mead hit the post and went over yeah. the bar. Like there was a couple of little breaks that went Mead's way, but. I don't know what to make of Donegal. I was yeah. impressed in the league and they just haven't really caught fire yet so far. Okay, Tommy, we'll leave it there for a second with you because it's time to talk hurling now. No senior championship hurling this weekend. The quarterfinals take place next weekend in Porky Cueve. It's Clare against Tip and then on Sunday it's Waterford against Wexford. With the lull and the cam, I guess it's a nice time to reflect on what we've seen so far and to look ahead to what we might see for the rest of the season. With that in mind, last night I headed off to Walsh Park and Waterford for the Board Gosh Energy Munster Under-21 semi-final between Waterford and Cork. And uh, there, we reflected on the Senior Championship so far. And welcome to Walsh Park where we have seen a dramatic Board Gosh Energy Munster Under-21 semi-final. 217 to 119 the final score. Waterford two points ahead, five minutes into injury time. Then Jack O'Connor ran at the Waterford defence. He was brought down. As of yet, I haven't seen a replay. It looked like the foul started outside the square and ended inside the square. I've heard the Waterford manager, Sean Power, say that it was probably a right call and that Cork probably deserved their win. So that's very sportsmanlike of him. You are, of course, listening to the Friday off the ball GAA podcast um, it's been mostly dominated by football this week by the way if you want more on Kildare against Dublin in the Leinster football final James Horan and Conor Deegan were on off the ball last night so you can check that out via podcast Johnny Doyle on News Talk Breakfast this morning and Carlo Dwyer is on off the ball on Friday night so lots to be had on that former Waterford hurler Shane O'Sullivan who's with me Shane we'll talk about the hurling season at large in a moment but first what a dramatic game here on Walsh Park tonight as hard as it is to say as a Waterford man 
I'm sure you'd have to agree that Cork probably deserved the win. Yeah, well, it just showed the belief they had at the end of the game, you know, that they kept plugging away, they kept out of its giving, kept taking on the half half back line of Waterford's, kept driving out of defence, and that man, Declan Dalton, was immense today with 112. Dara Fitzgibbon, we saw how good he was last Sunday in the Munster Senior Final. We saw it in the previous two games, and including the Waterford game, the, 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 the semi-final. He was a phenomenon again tonight, wasn't he? He is by far and away the player of the year so far, I think it's fair to say. Oh, he's certainly one of them. I think his pace, his ability, I suppose, to break through the half-back line. He creates overlaps. He's a um, really intelligent player, risky player, very hard to hook him. Phenomenal so far anyway, definitely in the championship. And he's a great player to burst and run through tackles. There was times where he would pick the ball up in or around his own 45 and I heard Cork fans screaming at him, hit it, hit it, hit it. But he wouldn't. He always ran and he always, by and large, made the right decision. Well, he has that pace, you know, and I think in the modern game that pace is so, so important because you can change a game with it, you can break through tackles, you can create overlaps and that's really what he has and he's really using it. He's confident and he's going very, very well so far this year. And Mark Coleman, Tommy Dunn was lavishing him with praise last Monday night on Off the Ball. He had another fine game tonight, despite the fact that he, Dara and Shane Kingston must have been really tired from their exploits last Sunday against Clare. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the emotion of that Munster final victory, I suppose, after waiting so much and the, the calm down after and then to get yourself up for a Wednesday night down in Welsh Park is a lot of, it's, not, it's not easy and I think that that showed in some of the performances from some of the Cork seniors today and you would, wouldn't blame them for it, but Mark Coleman was solid in the half back then. I want to talk to you about Cork overall. They're obviously Munster champions, but I guess maybe there's still funnily enough despite the run that they've had beating Tip, Waterford and Clare still maybe some question marks and I guess those question marks will remain until they get to Crow Park Certainly I think the way the dynamic of the championship changed two years ago three years ago four years ago at this stage I think there's nearly two championships in the in the calendar year so I mean you have to peak three or four times to really win the All-Ireland from a Munster championship and uh, they're going very good so far but um, from a Waterford perspective and I'm sure from a Wexford perspective etc um, you'd look to come in the back door with a bit of momentum and maybe take one big game uh, before the All-Ireland semi-final or final you know You mentioned backdoor momentum there Waterford kind of have it from their historic win over Kilkenny whereas Wexford maybe don't ahead of next weekend because they were very flat in the Leinster final and I'm sure well I won't say Davy minded losing or wouldn't mind losing you know Davy better than anyone you know he hates losing but what will really have killed him maybe is the fact that they didn't perform at all in the Leinster final for sure but I think that brings an edge to a team if you look at the, the way Rotherham reacted against Kilkenny I mean they were four or five points better team and I think it was just Kilkenny's belief that brought them through in the end to actual extra time but um, there will be an edge about Wexford they'll have a point to prove and they'll be after question themselves after that Galway Leinster final in depthly and they will have a serious edge against Watford. so it's going to be a really close game and a hard one to call please God Watford come out on top Do you think now that Watford have had a comeback performance and a comeback performance against Kilkenny of all teams even though they're not the Kilkenny of a couple of years ago that they'll actually be even better the next day because they, they probably have to because it's, it feels weird saying this as a Waterford man even though we I'll say we as a Waterford man in this context beat Kilkenny it wasn't a great performance yeah, well, I think what we will have gained from it is resilience. I think that if we're in that situation again, whereby we leave a lead go and we're four or five points up and the team creeps back to us, back on us and we go into extra time, we, we'll have that belief. That'll be something in the bank that we'll have, in the memory bank that we will have when it comes to a big game, if that happens again. So I think it's vital from that perspective and it's invaluable that we've gone through that process of leaving the lead drift, being the better team four or five points, leaving the lead drift 
and Kilkenny to come back of all teams and then react the way we did in extra time I think was a great indication of the mental strength that we have developed over the last few years but then again the next day is a different game and it's all a different context then They look like they have a bit of a shape about them again as well Waterford and Austin Gleeson is anchored in a position and guys are, are, are kind of doing what they need to do Yeah well I mean like the first game against Cork we were caught in the headlights a bit we 12 was it 12 weeks or, t- or 12 weeks without a game and you know the lads would have questioned themselves more than anyone and they would have found things that they could have improved on and they did the last day now the challenge for us now Waterford moving forward is to maintain that keep our feet on the ground and produce another performance against Wexford What about Tip and Clare next Saturday that's, a, that's an interesting tie Clare were okay in the Munster final but not great they wasted an awful lot of ball they looked like they kind of didn't trust their inside line yeah unfortunately for Clare that's what they'd be thinking in hindsight but I think Tipperary are under the radar which when they're under the radar I think they're actually very dangerous they have a great scoring forward line they have that experience from last year they don't lack belief they had a bit of conflict internally seemingly during the year so they're coming with strong momentum and no one really talking about them so I think they're dark horses and I think they're really dangerous at this stage of the championship it's an issue for all four teams playing in the, the senior quarterfinals next week in Porky Cueve, but how tough is it as a player to prepare when you've no idea what the surroundings are like? It's a new stadium and it'll be new to everyone. Yeah, well, I suppose you have to, I suppose, thinking of from a mental psychology point of view, you're looking at visualisation and players at this level and the way it's gone to GA in the last few years is that they'll be thinking of that game, that location over and over in their mind in the weeks preceding it and some of them might even go to the extent of actually visualising looking at a picture online of the new stadium and getting comfortable with it so players are really gone to a different level from a psychological perspective so that'll stand to them Sunday week Will it take a couple of minutes to settle in regardless of how much visualisation you do do you just have to play there for a few minutes and just get used to your surroundings and that, that might actually take a few minutes well, I think the game would have been played instinctually from a young age for a five or six or seven year old. So that's in the memory bank. And uh, I think the quarter final of a championship is going to be so intense. You instinctively, will just trust your instincts and go with that. So I don't think it'll take time to settle in more than any other match. And just before I let you go, we'll end on Waterford as we're sitting in the stand in Walsh Park. Granted, a very disappointed Waterford tonight given that the nature of Cork's win. Um, the fact that they've had that win over Kilkenny. Has that created a kind of a feel-good factor around the county? And in your experience, is that a good thing if you're a player heading into such a, a big game when, when the, the fans maybe aren't on your back, when there's a bit of positivity rather than the negativity that was there after the court game? Well, I suppose in Waterford, as we all know, we're, we're on the crest of a wave. We're really, really up in the clouds. And when we're, when we're down, we're really down in the dumps. And that it's a kind of extreme. So from a player's perspective, it's not to get caught up in any of that extreme the negativity after the Cork match or I suppose the positivity after the Kenny match is just to keep grounded keep level headed focus on the controllables and how they can perform how they can train and prepare for the game and then implementing it on the day so it's just keeping level and not getting caught up in the crest of a wave that may be the public persona or the supporters persona as well you know Former Waterford hurler Shane O'Sullivan thanks very much for speaking to Off The Ball's Friday GA podcast Thanks a million well that's almost it for Friday's Off The Ball GAA podcast remember GAA on News Talk brought to you by Borgosh Energy official electricity partner to the GAA follow hashtag hurling to the core for all the senior hurling championship action Tommy you're a footballing man but I know you've been enthralled by the hurling this season so far oh it's been unbelievable it's been so exciting to watch um how would you how would you rank this season in terms of the the last couple of years as the combine? we needed a big season it's the most interesting season probably since 2013 but was the, was the quality in 2013 as good as it is I now I don't think it was and you still have um, God how do I say this without being disrespectful there's probably no way of saying it Kilkenny have fallen away mm. Tip have shown poor form but this season we've seen 
one team catch sorry I was going to say catch three big teams but they've beaten three big teams mm. so Cork have beaten Tip Waterford and Clare so they've proven their merit they haven't just kind of caught one team there's, there's been no there's been no kind of just catching one team they've, and proven, who, they've proven it but yeah. I, I still don't know how good this Cork team are and I don't think they know either I don't think they're going to find out this year I really don't really you think they're that, that they're that young or just that Tip will I improve just, and I, I, could, I, could, I could regret this but I just don't think they're good enough <laughs> I don't think they're. Yeah. I don't think they're at the level that Galway are at for the last couple of years. Yeah. Tipperary showed how ruthless they were. Yeah. Waterford have had a couple of years. I don't know if Cork. I, I don't know yeah. if Cork have that much more in them. For me, still a question mark over Galway because Wexford didn't play like they can in no. Crow Park in the, the Leinster final. Dublin were very poor. Offaly were obviously poor because they have been for quite some time now. So there's still a lot of question marks. Tommy Walsh has repeatedly said this over the last couple of weeks and off the ball. It's back to the mid nineties. And it's very, very that's exciting. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's it for this week. Tommy, how can people send their abuse to you? Well, they can reach me at Tomas Rooney on Twitter. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. Don't forget, lots of coverage of all the GA on Off The Ball over the weekend. On Sunday, David Brady will be watching the Leinster final. That's Dublin against Kildare. Uh, do Kildare have a chance there, realistically? Yeah, they do have a chance. Like, I really like this Kildare team. I'm just, I have, I have no idea how this game is going to go. Um... I I, do, I hope to God that they give Dublin a game. That's all I want to yeah. see. You know, the, this Killer generation are Do you superb. hope to God or do you think they will give Dublin a game? I'm afraid to say I think they will. But like, I do think they will. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think they're good enough. Okay, we didn't really get into that game in mass detail. Well, actually, okay. now that I think of it. But we will reflect <laughs> on it on Off the Ball on Sunday. David Brady will be there before, during and after the game. Uh, also, this Sunday, it's the Ulster final. Tyrone taking on down... Billy Joe Padden will be covering that one for Off the Ball. From Tommy and I, it's goodbye. Enjoy your GA weekend. Could be a goal on here. Goal chance for Conor McGrath. Surely give it in, Conor. Oh, what a goal. Mackey heading it towards the 21 metre line. Team Mackey still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal. I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Been a small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> been a look, Donovan. 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 Donovan.